Our scripture this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through chapter 2, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 through chapter 2, verse 4. You know, so many times we think that God is all about the negative. We think about God in almost purely negative terms. That we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't go there, we can't associate with them. We think that God is all about the no. But what I want you to understand this morning is that God is all about the joy. Jesus himself, okay, on a night that if you were facing it, would not have filled you with joy, said to those he loved the most that I have come to make your joy complete. I have come to make your joy complete. You know, let me ask you a question. In your relationships... Do you define any of your relationships by what you can't do? Do you define your marriage by the things you can't do, the places you can't go? No. You define your relationship in terms of love. And you define your relationship in terms of the joy that that relationship brings to you. And so God wants us to understand from Jesus' own mouth that His mission is to bring to us joy. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, through chapter 2, verse 4, and in honor of the reading of God's Word, let's stand. And He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. 
They will perish, but you remain. And they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they also will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Let us pray. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for the reading of your perfect and infallible word in our midst this morning. And God, we just ask that you would... Uh, illumine our hearts and minds as you illumine the heart and mind of the writer of Hebrews. Father God, we love you with all of our soul, and we want to be filled with your joy as we offer to you our love, our lives, and this prayer. In and through the name of our risen Lord and Master, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and I know that that Baptists tend to be low church and that we don't go in for a lot of the things that those in high church tend to do surrounding the various seasons. We don't follow a liturgical calendar. You know, there's not a book somewhere that tells me what my text for today ought to be or tells me what it is that I'm supposed to be meditating upon. We believe that the Holy Spirit will show us what it is that we are to read, what it is that we are to preach. But it is helpful for us sometimes, especially during uh, these days, during the days of Advent, as we think about Christmas. Listen, beloved. The birth of Jesus is way yonder too important to just spend one 20-minute sermon on, okay? And 20 minutes is, is being generous, right? If you've got something else going on that Sunday, then, then you know, you might not have 20 minutes. Same thing with Easter, you know? The, 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 the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is way yonder too important to only spend 20 minutes one Sunday a year on. And so we, we, we lead up to that. We talk about that. And, and you might have noticed that John and Lynn lit a different colored candle this morning. Okay? You know, one of the things that, that the Jews did in the Passover was that there were a series of questions. There were a series of questions that would be asked and answered. Uh, they would always offer a prayer. The, the Passover meal would begin with the mother of the household asking a blessing upon the family, and then the father would begin his part, and the youngest male child there would kind of square one up for daddy, if you will, right over the plate at belt level. And he would say, Daddy, why is tonight different? 
Why is our supper tonight different than all of the other times that we get together for these festivals? And Daddy would then get the opportunity to go on and explain about how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And he would then have the, the great joy of explaining how God, listen to me, beloved, is still in the delivering business. God is still in the business of delivering people from slavery. You know what? There are people here in our nation today that are in more bondage than any slave was ever in. Now, I'm not making a lot of slavery, okay? But I'm telling you. I'm telling you, when you're in bondage to, to something other than joy, when you are a bondservant of anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, then life is miserable. Life is absolutely miserable. Today is a Sunday that in Latin is called Gaudete. It comes from the Latin word. Yeah, I studied that word for about five minutes so I could whip that thing out like I'd been saying it all my life. All right. One of the things when I was in seminary, I, 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 I had to read this book. And it wasn't one I had a choice on. It was, it was one that had been assigned to read. And it was abundantly clear that the author of that book expected anybody that ever read his book to be fluent in Latin. Okay? I was not. All right? I struggled to read that book because he'd have these long Latin sections. Thankfully, Google Translate was around back then. Amen? And, and I could get something out of that book, but then I'd have to sit there and type every one of those Latin words. And your fingers don't like typing words from a language that they're not familiar with, if you catch my drift. That word, Gaudete, comes from, or is the Latin word for rejoice. Rejoice. And that's what this Sunday is all about, that, that we're talking about the rejoicing at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the joy that Jesus brings into our life. Thomas Aquinas described the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is the final end of man, eternal contemplation of God, which is an act of the intellect. Joy is full of its object and is eternal and the greatest. Joy admits no sorrow, for it is not an act of our feelings. Amen? Even, listen to me, beloved, even on the worst day of our lives, there's certainly not going to be any happiness. But we can still be flooded with joy. We can be filled with joy even when we are at a time or going through a season that doesn't make us very happy. Here's the problem. Humans have grasped and groped after God as if he was hiding somewhere. You know, down here in the south, and, and it's really a pejorative term, but, but when, when somebody gets saved, we will say he found religion or he found Jesus as if it had been hiding, as if Jesus had been hiding somewhere. God is not hiding, beloved. 
There is no need for us to be in the dark about God. Why is that? The writer of Hebrews tells us back in chapter 1, he says that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. Have you ever stopped and thought, if you met a blind person, would you be able to describe the color green to them? If they had been blind from birth, if they had never seen anything, if they had no frame of reference to describe to them the color green, the only way, the easiest way to explain something, we saw it in Sunday school this morning, didn't we? I mean, we got these new believers. These are baby believers, beloved. They hadn't been a follower of Jesus more than a few hours or a couple of days at most. They didn't have all their theology down yet. Okay? They hadn't been to the seminary of Jesus yet. Amen? And so what did they do? What, what, did, what did Andrew do? He said, listen. Listen, Simon. I have found the Messiah. Come with me and see him. Come and see. Do you understand what Simon was doing? He was simply echoing what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He is saying, listen, I have seen God in the flesh. Nathaniel made it specific, did he not? Nathaniel said, you are the king of Israel and the son of God. I have seen the Christ. We don't have to wonder what God is about. I mean, there's lots of things in Romans chapter 1. Paul talks about what we call natural theology. Any of y'all able to make a tree? I mean, you know, any of y'all able to take and, and the seed? I mean, let's just bypass the seed. We don't know how to do that. We can describe the process, but we don't know how to do it. Any of y'all know how to make a human being? I don't mean the biological processes that we studied in school, okay? I mean, how does that work in the first place? How did God, listen, how did God reach down and take a bunch of dirt and form it into a man? Ladies are going, and men have been dirt ever since. (laughs) And how did God then put... Adam to sleep and remove a, a rib or a bone from his side and turn that into something that brought Adam just absolute joy. Can you imagine what it was like when Adam woke up and saw her and just went, that is what I've been looking for, God. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am one of those preachers that believe Genesis 1, 2, and 3 describe literal events that really happened. Okay? Yes, I'm one of those preachers that believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and lived inside that fish for three days. I believe that David and and Solomon and all of those were real men that lived during a real time and had a real reign. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. 
as the Bible says. I believe that God enfleshed Himself, became a human. He lived and ministered among us. He was hung on a Roman cross until He died. He died. He didn't swoon. If there had been a medical doctor there, if they would had an EKG machine there, it would have been showing a flat line. He was dead. And I believe that he laid in that tomb for three days and that he physically, literally came back to life to live forevermore. And you know what, beloved? That brings me a lot of joy. That brings me a lot of joy. I know that one day should Jesus tarry, that this old body, you know, when Miss Beth was asking whether uh, the kids thought that she'd be able to get up off the floor, I'm at the point in my life that if I get down on the floor, I look for other things to do while I'm down there. All right? Because it's going to be a while before I get back up. Uh, I'd have had to crawl over toward that chair to help myself or toward the pew to have something to brace myself to get up from. I understand that should Jesus tarry, someday this body's going to stop working. It's just going to stop working and I'm going to close my eyes and open them just that quick and see my Jesus face to face. See my Jesus face to face. And then, beloved, you know, I think I've got joy now. (laughs) Man, you just open your eyes and see Jesus and it'd be like, (sighs) it'd take your breath away. Beloved, i got to get going. I ain't even got halfway through my introduction yet. Holy Spirit just got a hold of this thing and took me in a completely different direction. And that's all right, isn't it? Amen. We don't have to be at the parade until 2 o'clock. The point that I'm making, beloved, is that God has revealed himself to us. Okay? This is not some mystery. This is not some philosophical exercise. You know, we don't have to sit around doing a bunch of navel-gazing, wondering what the purpose of, of life is. The purpose of life is to, to know God and to enjoy His presence forever, one of the great catechisms says. See, sometimes we stop with knowing God. No, beloved. It's not just to know God. It is to enjoy His presence forever. Because He brings to us that joy. And He's done that by revealing Himself in our world. All right. Verses 1 and 3 back in chapter 1. Or 1 through 3. We all know the the opening to uh, the book of Hebrews. The the, the author of the book of Hebrews is laying the the foundation. He's laying the groundwork. He said, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. You understand what he's saying? Jesus is the agent of creation. Paul says the same thing in Colossians. Jesus is the agent of creation. But what the author of, of what the author of Hebrews wants you to understand 
Let's suppose that, that, that this were my first Sunday at Concord. And I'd come over here to preach for y'all like I did 30-some-odd years ago. But for some reason, Angie wasn't able to be with me that Sunday. And I got up and described my wife to you. Okay? Do you really know her? If I've just described her to you? Wouldn't it be a whole lot better if I could just say, well, come over, sweetheart, come over here. Let me introduce you to these people. And let you get to know her person to person. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, listen, God has spoken to us beginning with Moses. God has spoken to us beginning with Moses. And, and, and again, back in John and, and what we studied in Sunday school, that's what Simon was saying to, to these people that he was witnessing to. He was saying, God, this man is the man that God has been talking about since Moses. And oh, wouldn't you have loved to have been along with Jesus on the road to Emmaus? When it says, beginning with Moses, he preached the Scripture to them. I'd love to hear that sermon. I'd love to hear that sermon. Tell Jesus, we got more than the seven miles it is to Emmaus. Why don't you just bust loose preaching on that, Lord? Tell us all about it. He's saying that these men wrote about what God gave to them. We've been seeing what God gave to them as we've been studying through the prophets over the last few years. We just finished seeing what Hosea said about Jesus, what Hosea said about God. After the new year, we're going to look at what Joel has to say about Jesus and what Joel has to say about God. And I'm not saying that they're saying something completely different, okay? But y'all have all heard about three blind men that were uh, brought to an elephant and they were asked to describe it based upon what they felt. One felt the trunk and described the, the elephant based upon uh, just feeling the trunk. The other one felt his leg and described what he has feeling on his leg. And the other one had a hold of the elephant's tail and he described him on the basis of, of what he was feeling in his tail. All of them were correct, okay? They just didn't have the complete picture. All of the prophets are correct about God. It's just that God is not giving us a full picture of Himself in the prophets. But let me tell you something, beloved. God does give to us a full picture of Himself in Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Look at what He says. He says that in, in Jesus, that Jesus is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of his nature. Angie, Angie's brother, has two twin boys. They're might not identical. Now, if you're around them long enough, you can see, you can tell the difference between one and the other. But there is a difference. There is a difference. They're not exactly alike. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. See, before Jesus, no one could fully grasp or understand God, and no one could fully proclaim the word of God. We can understand only a part or a fragment of it. 
But now God's Son has come to earth and everything that God ever wanted to say to humanity is said in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the perfect and exact representation of the mind of God. God loves us. He hasn't left us in the dark, groping and grasping and trying to figure out what the purpose of life is. You know what I love? I love when, when one of our children comes to know Jesus at an early age. You know why? It's not just so, you know, I mean, I don't go to the preacher's meetings because I got a job. I got another job. I can't go to them on Mondays. And so I don't go to Morristown on Monday morning and say, Ha! We had a person get saved yesterday morning. That's a wonderful thing. But the reason that I love to see a young person come to Jesus is because they have figured out the purpose of life so early in their life. Amen. They don't have to go through all the mess that a lot of people have to go through, wondering what their purpose for existence is, wondering what the meaning of life is. They have discovered that life and all of its meaning finds its fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that Jesus is the radiance of His glory. Now, what does glory mean? It is the brightness of God, all the brilliance, all the radiance, all of the splendor, all of the light of God's being. It means that God's very presence in all of its purity dwells bodily in the Lord Jesus Christ. It means, Colossians 2, 9, that in Him all, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Listen, beloved, a lot of people want to get all wound up tight and say that, that Jesus was, was not God, that this whole thing, that this Trinitarian thing, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they modify this verse, okay, so that it doesn't say what it plainly says. Paul is saying, unusually enough, that in the Lord Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells. Now, We can look at Jesus and see the glory of God in Him, the very light and radiance of God's being. Mercy. Can I get a witness? Isn't that amazing? That in Jesus we see, you know, what is God like? He's like Jesus. He's like Jesus. And, and, and the authors of the New Testament tell us what Jesus is like. Verses 4 through 14 tells us who Jesus is. Listen to me, beloved. At any time, not just at Christmas time, this is who Jesus is. This is who He is and what He came to do. He wants us to read these verses and worship Jesus. The writer even calls on the angels to worship Him. Verse 6, let all the angels 
of God worship him. The writer has an extensive knowledge of the Old Testament. Hello? How many of us, now we just, you know, it's the Old Testament, it's the Old Covenant. I'm a New Covenant kind of person. Well, you wouldn't have the New Covenant without the Old Covenant. I heard a sermon this week that a pastor, was David Jeremiah, had preached a, a sermon on the cradle and the cross. And several people in his church got upset with him that he was preaching on the cross at Christmas. And Dr. Jeremiah, cradle makes no sense. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born in that cradle to go to the cross to pay the price for our sin. Listen to me, verse 14. The angels... Can I, can I break it to you? I got bad news for you. You are not going to die. Amen. That's good news. <laughs> Amen. You are not going to die. You are not going to die and go to heaven and become an angel. There is nothing in the Bible that even comes close to saying you're going to become an angel. That's like saying that a lizard is going to become an alligator after it dies, okay? Two completely different animals. They're close, but they're not the same. Listen, angels cannot get saved. Now, they can get lost, but they cannot get saved, all right? They exist in a state of, of, of worship of God. And a third of them decided that Satan had the right idea and they put in with him and, and rebelled against God. Now, this can be a confusing verse for some of us because this is a, a Calvinist verse. Now, I got another thing to tell you. I don't care what tradition you come from. All of us are Calvinists to some extent. And that simply means that we believe that God is going to visit salvation upon whom God is going to visit salvation upon. Now, let me give you the, the fancy theological answer to how that works out. We don't know. We don't know how God already knows who's going to be saved. And can I tell you a secret? It doesn't matter. What matters is that we go out and share that love and grace with everybody that we come in contact with. Why? Because God has called all of us to be ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who are going to be saved. You know, I've been here 30 years, and it absolutely blesses my heart to watch y'all step up and see your role as a ministering spirit, loving God, loving one another, and loving the world. Chapter 2, verse 1, and we're almost done. I told you in the past, my papa used to tell me sometimes, Sonny, don't get too big for your britches. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us here. Don't get too big for your britches. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. 
Now, we could go into a discussion, and the writer of Hebrews is going to talk about some things that we ought not do and some things that we ought to do. But here's the deal. What he's telling us is don't drift away from Jesus. Don't drift away from Jesus. How is it if I got out into the middle of a lake, okay, or if we were having a baptism down on the, on the river and I decided I was going to go out in a boat, what do I have to do to drift away from where I started? Absolutely nothing. I just sit there. And the current will take care of me going somewhere else. If I want to stay where I am, I've got to exert. I've got to go against it. I've got to be mindful of where I am and what I've got to do to stay there. Verse 3. If we choose to ignore that special relationship... then we're neglecting. We're neglecting that gift that God has given to me. Let me ask you a question, and then we're done. Almost everybody in this room has said at some point in their life, I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to Jesus than you are right now? You know what? You know what happens in most marriages, why they they fall apart? Surprisingly, it's generally not something overt. Certainly that happens. Certainly it happens when one partner or the other does something overt. What generally happens is that they just start to drift apart. They don't work on that relationship every day. They just start to drift apart. And one morning they wake up and they're going, I don't even know you anymore. I don't even know you anymore. Oh, beloved, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How is your relationship with Jesus? Now, I know that this sermon is about joy. And I know that some of y'all have gone through the most horrendous trials. You've gone through the most horrendous experiences in your life. And I'm so sorry, but let me tell you a secret. Jesus wants to flood you with His joy. Not just at Christmas, but every moment of every day. Listen, I look out at y'all and I see signs and wonders. I look out at y'all and I see miracles. I see gifts of the Holy Spirit that He wants to use according to His will. Oh, beloved. Remember that song we sang when we were little? That we loved to sing at Bible school? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. I hope you have that joy, beloved. Serious question, do you? If you don't, you can. I know what many of you are going through. I know it can rob your joy. But, but, and that's my favorite word in all the Bible. I know His desire is to fill you with joy. How can I say that? John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you. Remember where this is. This is just after Jesus has spoken those words to His disciples that He's going away. John 14, He tells them He's going away. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Will you allow him to fill you with your joy? Because that is the purpose of Advent. That is the purpose of Godete Sunday. Is your joy full?